Jennifer at No Label Brewery, and you're listening to Drink of Ages Radio Show with John Denman. Come out to No Label seven days a week and join us for some badass beers on tap. Don't forget to visit our website at nolabelbrew.com for all events happening at our brewery. Hope to see you soon. All right, everybody, get ready for Drink of Ages radio show. Our guest this week is Colfax Brewing out of Chapel Hill. So everybody get some good beer, get ready, and uh, this is Drink of Ages radio show. I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, luminary. John Denman. John Denman. All right, this is Drink of Ages radio show. I'm your host, John Denman. The producer of this you know, excellent broadcasting show is DJ Muskratch. And we are here at Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive. So if you happen to be driving by or looking for a place to come have a good pint, stop by here and, and have some pints with us. Um, some of the pints you can get is from Cole Fox Brewing Company, which is pretty badass. Uh, you guys are out of Chapel Hill. We got three of your beers on tap. So let's introduce everybody. Chris Stancliffe, John Wick, and Nick Bullpit. Those are all here. You guys made a little trek. Well, yeah. some of y'all made a little trek. Some of y'all, you know, not, not as far, but Chapel Hill's, yeah, Kingwood's not too bad. Yeah. No, nah, it's, it's about as far to Chapel Hill as it is to Kingwood from here, so. Depending you know. on the time of day. Yeah, yeah, and the <laughs> traffic and whatnot. But, yeah. you, you know, you can be out in Chapel Hill inside of an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And uh, this is a great place to be. It's a great location. And uh, we like it. Good water for brewing Ch- beer. Chapel Hill... Chapel Hill is one of those places that uh, it was like always a stop. If we're, we're driving down I-10, either heading you know, up to Austin or San Antonio or anywhere, it was always, oh, we got to stop at Chapel Hill because we, we need to get some jerky, we need to get some sausage, we need to you know, get some steaks. And so it was always just, uh, we still stop by there. Yeah, I did it when I was a kid, and now when I'm driving to anywhere in the hill country, still stop by Chapel Hill. Well, Chapel Hill basically has been there. Originally founded the town in 1850 is when they laid it out. And one, a lot of popular spots, one of them is Chapel Hill Sausage Company. And that's where you get the good stuff. They also have a small little cafe in there that they have excellent lunch. I highly recommend it. Then you've got the Chapel Hill Deli and Bakery. They've got great barbecue, great food as well. And, uh, of course, uh, Colfox Brewery is there, which we're only a manufacturing location now at this point in time. But we're in discussion with Texas Star Winery, which is owned by Jim and Susan Chisholm. Uh, about the possibility of having a joint um, winery tap room. And so long as the um, TABC will say grace over it and we can get the proper uh, documentation and licensing and whatnot, then that may come to pass. And we'd like to have that up and running, say, by March, April. So uh, that's pretty aggressive in terms of building the building and putting everything in place, but um, that's what we're shooting for at this point in time. So right now, you guys are just brewing beer and distributing beer. That's correct. We are self-distributing. So we're right now, Chris, help me out. We, we're probably in six to ten different tap rooms. Yeah, we're in about ten. I mean, but they go anywhere from Brenham to 
Umble in Kingwood, stuff like that. So it's it's basically my way home. If it's if there's a bar on my way from from Chapel Hill to Kingwood, chances are I probably stopped in with some beer. There's so. actually some pretty good bars on your way home, so yeah. <laughs> it makes it easy. Well, there are lots of them. I've been in the beer, I guess, uh, not industry because I've only been doing this commercially for a couple years, but the brewing community for probably close to 12 now. So I've made a bunch of friends with bar owners and people that didn't own bars when I first started brewing that do now. And so it makes it a pretty easy to sell it when you walk in and you've, you've known them for 10 years already anyway. So. Well, it, it's easy for him to do because he speaks the language. Basically, I, all I can do is go in and talk numbers, you know, as far as give me this much money and you'll get this much beer. Yeah. But but Chris can speak to speak to speak, if you will. Well, I mean, it was a hard sell uh, Saturday up at Thistle Drive Shop, their anniversary party. He's like, hey, man, what would it take to get some beers on a drink of ages? <laughs> I just bring them. <laughs> that's, that's, that's about it. Yeah, you you were probably the easiest. That was that was uh, a lot easier than expected. I've heard that from a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, well, Chris, why, why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell them what we have on what we brought out here tonight? Uh, tonight we brought three beers, and that's uh, we probably have about six ready at the brewery right now in kegs. Um, but we had to go to three today. So we brought uh, Hurricane Rations. That's our kind of American light lager. That's uh, Mandarina Bavaria, Pilsner Malt. Smidge of rice. I'm drinking some right now. It's it's uh, really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very nice, easy drinking lager. Tasty. This I, this is our, our most popular beer. Uh, I, I yeah, think. Yeah, probably. I would go there. For it's, the most it's, part. Some of the Berliners also will probably fight for that. I would guess. Well, that's but, um, true. Yeah, but um, I like to rotate the hops out of different new noble hops every once in a while. So this was Mandarin Bavaria. Sometimes we'll do Tetanang, sometimes we'll do Saws. It really depends on what I can get my hands on. It's a small, very small brewer. You know, but that's uh, part of the advantage that we have is being small like that, we can be very flexible, very fluid as far as what we're brewing, when we're brewing, and how we're brewing, and things of that nature. Chris does all the brewing. He does all the recipes and everything else. Really, I just provide the space, the location, and the dollars, if you will. <laughs> but You play an important role in all yeah, this. Yeah, and I'll have yes. to ask Chris, I'll say, uh, what is that you're making? And he gives me all the numbers and all the stuff and things of that nature. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, so, but I will tell you this very seldom do we have something that doesn't move, doesn't shake. And sometimes it's the tap room that you take it to yeah. or the location that, that is more in tune with the sours. Right. Or is more in tune with the lagers and whatnot. And you just have to feel that out and find out what people. Yeah, you, you know, got a pretty good spread are. here. I mean, uh, we've also got uh, our darker lager, which is our brand new beer. It's called Fireweather. And this is probably the second location in Texas to have it. Um, and, again, we have, uh, I'm saying weird stuff, the strawberry Berliner, which we do all kinds of different fruited Berliners. So strawberry, blueberry, cranberry has been a new one this year. It's going over really well. Um, pineapple basil is a one we just put out. That was outstanding. Yeah, I bet. That is fantastic. Sounds like it needs like a shot of rum in it. Oh, it is. It is great. <laughs> if only it wasn't illegal. <laughs> right. <laughs> For me to sell it that way, at least. Might do it in some rum barrels. That do might some be some nice. rum barrel, yeah. When he first started brewing that stuff, though, I, I see him out there in the yard. We had basil growing. They planted basil, and there's huge bushes and plants. I see him out there jerking his stuff off the ground and stuff like that, and he's bringing it back inside. Uh, what are you getting ready to make now? And he's, and him and my son are out there chopping up pineapples. <laughs> and so yeah. they made the stuff, but it was fantastic. Well, I asked him for a knife and a cutting board. He brings me back a machete and a table. <laughs> All right, hey, why not? That works. <laughs> it worked. It was great. But, you know, again, that's getting back to being a small microbrew, if you will. We can 
we can do those kind of things. Whereas a lot of times the large breweries, because of, of volume of what it would take for them to brew a run and the amount of dollars to invest to do something like that that's kind of out on the edge, they're not going to do it, you know. So I kind of like that that ability, that opportunity that we have to do those things. Well, I get a lot of freedom there. Um, besides the TABC making me get label approval for every single beer we put out because we're self-distributing and we don't have a tap room, that's really my only constraint other than hops I can't buy because I don't, you know, they're too expensive or too little of them produced. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of freedom. There, there's some plus and minuses, but uh, I, I think uh, what Chris said is we're very entrepreneurial and very independent. And that's what we want to be. That's what we like to be. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Other than you know, other than having to get label approval for every single beer, that, that that's the part that that I mean, I mean, we're in Texas. I mean, it'd be nice just to be able to just have the freedom, and be like, oh, this is what it is, and test the product to see. Like, we got beer in front of me right now. It's ten and a half percent. So you know, test it, and see what it is. But yeah. if you're able to just make beer and put it out there for people and make life so much easier. Yeah, it's, it's TABC rules, and we're one of the last states in the union to basically update the laws, if you will, relative to the craft brew industry. And uh, it's coming. It's a lot better than it was three or four years ago, I'll tell you that. That is true. Um, but, you know, you look at the wine industry now, and they have a tremendous amount of freedom and flexibility in a lot of things they do. And it's, it's not... The, the wineries aren't measured and graded on the same level as the breweries are, which seems kind of crazy to me when they're monitored and managed by the same organ, same, you know, public entity uh, or governmental entity, if you will. Well, our brand so. new beer, the Fireweather, was supposed to be a Munich Dunkel, so we sent in the label Munich Dunkel. And I get back something from the TABC that says, you need to edit this to say it's uh, a dark lager or Munich style, and also it has to say ale on the can. And I'm like, it's a... It's a lager, man. It's not an ale. Oh, but it's above 5%. So, okay. All right. Whatever you say, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, too, is a lot of times when when you call somebody to discuss something like that, you may get a response. Next day you call, talk to somebody else, you get a different response. Of course. It it, it fluctuates. Well, I mean, same thing when you go to the permitting office. Not saying this, you know, I hope I don't get myself in trouble, but yeah, you, know, you walk up until you find somebody that gives the answer you want. And I'm like, okay, will you sign this, please? <laughs> Just, this, you said this. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have to hound them for festival licenses as well. Uh, I think John has even driven there the day before, sending an application in weeks ahead of time, and they're still sitting on it. Yeah. And we're like, okay, the thing's tomorrow, guys. We got to go. Yeah, there's been, there's been more than a few times where I call up and the person – that was responsible basically is, oh, they're no longer with the organization or they've closed that office or what have you. And it, it makes it kind of a challenge, but that's them. Yeah, only like, part of the challenge is, uh, hey, guys, let's open up a brewery. Yeah. <laughs> just you know, only that, a small part of it. Sounds like a good idea at the beginning. That, that was kind of interesting the way that started. Uh, rewind five years ago. Chris you know, and his dad. Hold that story real quick. we got to take a quick break. Go, Go to some commercial. You're out of beer anyways. Yeah. So we can't do a show without beer. No. This is Drink of Ages. Uh, we're talking with Cole Fox Brewery out of Chapel Hill. We'll be right back. Everybody. 
Hey, we're hanging out with my friend Sean from Platypus Brewery, and man, a lot of stuff going on in December. Tell us about some of these beers you guys have coming out. Yeah, mate, we've got lots going on at the uh, brewery in December. We start with our Boozy Brown Ale, our Woolly Jumper, to be paired with our Fig Jam Brown Ale that's just come out. In addition to that, we've got our Ugly Sweater and, and the one not to be missed, the event of the year. The best in show budgie smuggler will be uh, absolutely uh, judged at our beach Christmas party on the 21st. And we top that off with our stout week. We have two stouts and our first ever bottle release, which is our bourbon barrel aged imperial stout. That sounds really good. I can't wait. Yeah, a lot of a lot of really badass stuff happening over at Platypus. If you haven't been by there, then stop by, get some delicious chicken wings, check out their menu, really good food, and of course, man, enjoy some of these great beers. All right, so we look forward to seeing you out. Remember, rock out with your stout out. This is Drink of Ages Radio Show here on ESPN 97.5. DJ Mustrash, we're here at Dream Age Club, hanging out with Colfox Brewing Company from Chapel Hill, Chris Stancliffe, John Wick, not that John Wick, the other John Wick. No, I am that guy. You are that guy. I am that guy. Better be careful. That's his really given name. I mean, he's not lying. I've got a pen over here. I better hide it. It <laughs> <laughs> was a pencil. He doesn't use it. It was a pencil, but I'm still afraid. <laughs> yeah. And it then, was in a location just like this. Nick Bullpit is here as well, and these guys uh, opened up a brewery over in Chapel Hill. Uh, very interesting, though, that, like you say, you opened up just a production brewery. And Correct. So what? how did this Correct. whole idea come about? Like, like, What was it that you're just like, you know what, I'm going to open up a brewery? I guess it was, what, five years ago, 2011, 2012, something like that? Yeah, that was actually eight or nine years ago. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry for the math. <laughs> yeah. But Chris and his father were basically uh, building a studio apartment for us there at my facility. And on Friday afternoons, a lot of times, I'd grab a beer, and, and Chris's father said one time, he said, hey, if you like good beer, you need to talk to my son. Why is that? And he said, well, he brews beer. Well, long story short, he brought me some beer. I bought some more. Some years went by. And I thought, he makes such a good beer, it's a shame to not take this thing to a higher level. So, anyway, uh, one day back in, I guess, 2013, 2014, something like that. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, I, I said, Chris, what do you think about starting a brewery? And he, he was all gung-ho for that. And, uh, you know, we actually started putting stakes in the ground and looking where we are going to put a building and all kinds of things. And then 2015 came along. And uh, because my business, my other business, my revenue stream is tied to the oil and gas industry, didn't go according to plan. So we had to pull back. We still went ahead and, and launched, but at a much smaller level. Uh, we were actually going to build a tap room and do all kinds of things. We, we did a lot of the infrastructure, but then along came the insurance people. And they had all kinds of issues um, with location, where we were, the other facility that's there, my other business. And it was just going to be outrageously expensive, according to them, to uh, insure the location. So... We decided, let's, let's just go ahead and keep going the way we are and brew a good quality beer, something that people like, start self-distributing, and see where we can go with this thing and see if it'll start to pay for itself. So uh, I thought I was going to be able to help Chris with sales when the reality is, is really he needs to be doing most of the sales because of the fact he speaks 
speaks to speak. He, he walks to walk, talks to talk, if you will. And uh, I try to do the best I can, but when people start asking me technical questions about beer and stuff, I've got to refer to Chris because he has all the answers. Anyway, we've now grown to where we're distributing uh, to between six and ten different tap rooms. And hopefully at some point in the near future, we'll actually have a, a tap room uh, in concert with a winery, Techstar Winery, there in the Chapel Hill area. At least that's what we're looking at. That's what we're talking about. And hopefully that'll come to pass this next spring. What, what size system do you guys have? Right now we're on a three-barrel system, which is probably one of the smallest distributing breweries ever made. <laughs> micro. Yeah, super micro. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually built it all myself. Um, with the help of John and his couple of his sons because we're in a machine shop. So basically any tool I want is right there. I don't have to go and beg or borrow anything. I just go ask John, hey, where's this thing? Oh, it's right down the shelf. So that, that was pretty nice. Um, but we took a bunch of the stainless tanks and cut holes in them, welded on ferrules. Uh, we added some um, three-phase heating elements and put a bunch of like level sensors and valves and and uh, other and pumps on there, and then we put that all back to an electrical control box. But um, and that's controlled by software on a computer there at the brewery. And I, more or less, I add water, I add grain, and then I go sit down on a computer and hit buttons, and it does what it does. <laughs> uh, but Chris is is basically making that very simplified. He's if you look at the way he does and what he does, it is so highly technical and complex, and it's amazing to me that he can actually build program run all of this enterprise himself and how he knows all these things i don't know i think he's part alien but anyway uh the, the system that he built i call it frankenstein but it's, it's kind of cool the way it works and it works very very well and we've been running now for six months 12 months something like that well, we've been brewing on that system for yeah at least eight months i would guess yeah before that i was just doing 10 or 15 gallons at a time and so people would ask me, hey, what you got on? And I was like, well, five gallons of that, five gallons of that. And I'd sell out a beer real quick. You know, that wasn't hard. Yeah. So. But, you know, right now it's to, it's to the point to where we've been able to grow the volume. Um, and, and it's, yeah, I'm still having to do, you know, put a cash infusion into it. But at the same time, we like what we're doing. People like what we're doing. We're starting to get more referrals, more inquiries. Uh, people want to know who we are, where we are, things of that nature. Um, so we'll just see where it takes us. But it's, it's been a, a hell of a journey, no doubt. Well, the beers are, I mean, the three that we have here, really, really good. I mean, there's this, you can't hide anything in a good, clean lager. So, and this, this is a really tasty. True. Yeah, I mean, generally I like to get them a little less fruity than that. I probably won't go with that hop again. But um, my favorite sauce, just hard to get, really. So that's why we went with that one. But you know, the other thing is, too, is that because we are a microbrewery, um, we have sometimes have a limiting factor as far as availability of, of products to work with. Um, but at the same time, it's, the, you know, the brotherhood of the craft brewers and whatnot, uh, it's kind of amazing to me. I did not know this until Chris basically versed me on it, that how, how close-knit the brotherhood is between different craft brewers. Even though you... Uh, you can be a competitor, quote unquote. You're still a friend, and if you need yeah. something, whether it be raw materials or, or experience or expertise or even help, there'll be people jumping over the wall to come help you, you know, or to, to loan you a bag of grain or something like that. It's it's really pretty amazing 
and the people that have reached out to us and asked us, you know, what can we do to help you or, or you know, is there anything that you need and things of that nature. It's really kind of cool. It is a very interesting industry, and I talk about it quite a bit because it's one that attracts a certain type of person and a certain I mean, just certain personality, and those are people that, you know, for one, I mean, you're opening up a brewery, so it's like, oh, we're not getting rich for a while, and <laughs> two, it's like, just, just very, everybody's super friendly, but very helpful, everyone, yeah. and it's very like, true. what can I do to help somebody, and mm-hmm. that's what this, this industry really just attracts that special person. It's quite a bit different from the oil and gas industry that John's used to. Yeah, oh. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, they're helping you, but then that knife twists a little bit. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, you're still a competitor. You know, you may still be competing for the same job, whereas the brewers, they'll actually say, you know what, if you change your recipe a little bit this or if you'd add this or if I've found I've done it this way. And, and uh, they aren't afraid to show each other the recipes, you know, which I thought was amazing. How many people said, well, here, you want to know what it's like? Here's how to brew it. There you go. You know, they'll give it to you right up front. Well, there's a thousand different switches, and you really got to hit every single one right. exactly the same To way. make that right. To make the same yeah. beer. You know, I mean, you can take your grandma's uh, you know, chocolate pie recipe, and it still doesn't taste like your grandma's chocolate well, pie that's recipe. that's true. That's very true. So it's, it's, there, there's a lot involved. I mean, when, you, when you're dealing with a science project like beer, uh, it, it, we both grew up, I mean, that's where, that's where yeah. I met Chris was uh, back in the home brewing days. And so, you know, it was always like, ah, I love Sierra Nevada Pell L, one of the best beers ever made. Yeah. And that, that recipe's out there. Exactly, uh, this is it, yeah. but it doesn't quite taste exactly the same. No, definitely not. I'm a pr- pretty big uh, water chemistry nerd. I think that's where I kind of found my niche in, in the beers we produce, which is why I think we're able to make all these lagers taste correct. Um, and that's something I kind of keep close to myself. I don't give that out too much, but not that most people even ask because they yeah. won't care either. You know, and that's something else, too. <laughs> where, where we're located is the aquifer. We have what we call a sand rock that is strata there in the Washington County area that's flowing down towards the Brazos Valley. And the water is, is very clean. Um, there's not a whole lot of upstream from where we are there's not a whole lot of industry and there's agribusiness so you have to be aware of that but the well that we have is very deep mm. it's like in excess of 230 feet deep so the water we're pulling up and whatnot is it's got some mineral content to it but you know as far as the way that we treat it and what we do with it and whatnot it uh works out well it's extremely low in iron extremely low in manganese i mean you can basically brew a stout with it right out of the wall out of the ground it's not a big deal if you're going to do something like a, a lager, an IPA, you're going to have to throw some reverse osmosis in there, just kind of bring the calcium down, that kind of stuff. But otherwise, it's it's really good water. So easy to work with. Yeah, that helps. It, it's, it's when you look at regions and what makes beer what they are, I mean, it, it's basically the water and the, the mineral and salt content that's in that water. Well, you know, it, 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 you've been to other breweries, and I know Chris and I were uh, out of brewery, and they were telling us all about the – the place, the time, and the people, and stuff like that, you know, the experience, and and I think that's uh, very true. It, you know, we actually ventured into trying to grow hops and see how that'd do, and we were told, ah, it won't grow worth a damn. Well, I'll tell you what, we planted in the middle of July, which is probably one of the worst times, I guess, but they grew and grew pretty well. Now, oh, yeah, we got two harvests that year. We planted in July. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, we didn't get much because... We only planted about 25 plants, but that's enough to, to dry hop a three-barrel batch with. So. Yeah. 
and we probably picked it at the wrong time. And uh, I mean, we're learning. But the other thing is too is that those hops came back again last year, and they came back with a stronger root growth, not not as much vine growth. So we we just need to pay more attention to them this next year. And, and within, if I read it correctly, within like three to five years yeah. is when they're basically hitting their prime, if you will. So we'll see what happens. But I was pleasantly surprised. And most people told us that it wouldn't grow down here. It'd be too hot. It's pretty hard. Outdoor. Yeah. Outdoor. But yeah, you know, the it, thing about it was. It's hard to grow hops out where, here. Where we planted them, and, and Chris and Anna actually built the, the um, boxes that we planted them in. They were almost in direct sunlight from about 10 a.m. in the morning till about, what, 4 in the afternoon. So, I mean, they got some high heat. Yeah. And they seemed to like it. There was one box that had more shade from the pecan trees and whatnot. They didn't do worth a darn. Oh, yeah. The shaded but, uh, ones, the shaded ones didn't like it at all. They yeah. wanted that sun. What variety were you trying to grow? Uh, we had Columbus. We had... Zeus. No, that's basically the same thing. Columbus. Oh, I'm Zeus. sorry. Zeus, yeah. Um, Northern Brewer and... Col- what the... F- okay, my bad. Columbus and Zeus are not the same. Got that little... <laughs> yeah, I'd have up. to go back and look at the you list. Columbus, you got Zeus, you got... Uh, Northern Brewer, and then there was another one that I can't remember because it was the one that was in shade and never did anything. Yeah, yeah, we got them, we got them written uh, down. We but anyway. Go for it. I was going to say we picked them kind of early, mm-hmm. and then we actually made a beer with them just because I wanted to see what was happening. And that's how we figured out that we picked them early because you ever had a green, like a really green, wet, hot beer? Yeah. And you get that kind of green banana flavor. If you if you look for it, you'll find it in any wet hop beer. But ours was stupid strong. Okay. And so we made it with mostly the Zeus plant, which was the most, you know, it put on the most cones. Um, undrinkable <laughs> green banana <laughs> Zeus beer. I wanted to call it Zeus's banana hammock, but I don't, I don't know that we'd get that through TV. Yeah, you wash so. the tires with that stuff, man. I mean, yeah. it was tough. But you know, that's how you find out. You know, you experiment. And, yeah. Um, we didn't. Nobody told us when when the right time to harvest was, you know. So, yeah, we we figured that out now, and, and so we'll move on. We and we may continue to plant some more. I actually have a large pasture. I was thinking about planting, but damn goats seem to keep eating that stuff. So, goats. I'm, I, I'm gonna have to either shoot the goats or choose a different field. I guess. I don't That'll know. make a good barbecue. <laughs> cabrito. Some cabrito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're thinking about digging truth. a big hole out there and doing like a luau or something. But. Well, we're going to do that. We are going to do that this next year. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, Chris spent a lot of time in Hawaii as a youngster. I guess from the time you were born to what, six, seven years old, something like that? Uh, from when I was born until about seven, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I moved to Houston. So we're going to dig a hole in the ground, and, and uh, my oldest son goes down to the Brazos Bottom and hunts those wild hogs down there. And we have seen as small as a football to um, a 400-pound boar. Yeah. And uh, we actually trapped that 400-pound boar, and he was inside of a, a round trap, and we went to go get him out. Son of a gun jumped flat-footed over Just a six-foot over fence, fence. Yeah. over the fence, landed yeah. right beside us. And uh, that's pretty scary because I don't know if you know or not, but there was a woman that actually got killed in Anahuac here mm-hmm. about two weeks ago when she got, you know, tore up by a pig. So you, gotta, you have to be aware that they're, uh, they can be lethal. But I will tell you that if you get a good one, they're nothing better eating. And you pair it with some of the beers that Colfox Brewery can brew. <laughs> oh, son, come on. Yeah, a little Chapel Hill sausage on the oh, side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. can do that. Well, we make a beer called Endless Autumn. And the plan with, for it was to be a year-round Oktoberfest, a, a real Meritzen, right? And 
the, I was doing it homebrew style, and it came out 9.1%. So I decided, well, maybe that'll just be our little niche, that we'll have an Imperial Mertzen and, and try and sell that. So I think that'd probably be really good with some roast pig or smoked pig. Yeah, well, you know, the other thing is I was really seeing, good. I was, I was watching a guy some, that, that, that actually took some uh, beer yeah. and he injected it into the hog whenever they were they were doing a roast over the pit kind of thing. Um, mm. I don't know how it'd work in an emu, you know, where you bury them in the ground. But All right, let's take a break, get some more beers. This is Drink of Ages Pub, hanging out with Cool Fox Brewing right here at Drink of Ages Radio. I think I said it backwards. We'll be right back. <laughs> Listen, I got something I want to tell you. <laughs> we see people every day on old and well. Most of the people she got Are you thinking of buying, selling, or renting a house? Let my good friend Amber Sear with Stanfield Properties help with all your real estate needs. She is your real estate connection. Amber is a second-generation real estate agent and holds herself to the highest ethical standards. She is a member of the National Association of Realtors, Texas Association of Realtors, and Houston Association of Realtors. Work with a knowledgeable native Houstonian who I know well and I trust. Whether buying, selling, or renting, contact Amber Sear from Sandfield Properties. Her email address is amberseer.realtor at gmail.com. That's ambercyr.realtor at gmail.com. Or call her at 832-715-5455. Again, that's 832-715-5455. All right, if you guys need anything like some shirts, some merch, some stickers, uh, from koozies to any of that stuff, whether you're a brewery, a distillery, or yeah, you just have a business you want to get started and get your brand out there, man, you need to talk to my buddy Rodney Campbell over at Cask Branding. He can take care of you with your glassware. You're, I mean, like I said, he makes all of our shirts here at Drink of Ages. He does a lot of stuff for a lot of people around Houston. So reach out for caskbranding.com, Rodney Campbell, and tell him that you heard on Drink of Ages, and, man, he'll take care of you. Pub. I'm gonna say it right this time. My scratch. Starting off instead of leaving, and uh, I'm John Denman, and we're hanging out with Colfax Brewing Company. Chris, John, and Nick are here. So, so why not have a tap room at the brewery? Hey, what, what, what's going on with that? What, what, because that that to me is is a really big deal, especially these days, where the tap rooms. Tap rooms is uh, I, I don't even go to bars anymore. I don't even go to, like I stop by Drink of Ages and I go to, to a brewery. And so why not have a tap room? What's going on? What we are planning on doing, and I think is maybe even be better yet, is going to look at partnering with Texas Star Winery, which is there in Chapel Hill. Jim and Susan Chisholm have built this thing into a really neat enterprise. Uh, he has a property. He has a location. He has the people and stuff like that. And being a winery, there's so many times people come in and say, well, you know, I came with my spouse, but they drink wine, but I can You got beer? And, of course, they don't. But now right, we've been looking at the uh, licensing aspects of it, and, and it looks like we're going to be able to do this thing. Hopefully we'll have it up and running uh, maybe in the spring to where we will have a tap room 
along with a winery in the same location there in Chapel Hill. I mean, a winery, uh, and they're and they're. Not tap room, but tasting room. I mean, they right. can have beer, though, right? They can they can bring the, beer. The in. way that we understand it is that you can have a a wine bar and a beer bar, if you will, two separate tills, two separate cash registers, and beer is not to go behind the wine bar, and wine is not to go behind the beer bar. Can't cross it. That's Can't right. Cross you don't cross line. those lines. <laughs> but the common area in between, party on. Yeah, get you some. You know, and and right now it looks like that's that's going to work out for us. Uh, we haven't had anybody tell us we can't do it, and there are several that are already doing it here uh, in and around the Houston area, uh, San Marcos, Austin, and whatnot. And so, uh, obviously, uh, we'll have to um, deal with those logistics as they present themselves, but right now we're, we're shooting for uh, an opportunity uh, uh, March, April, hopefully. Let's we'll see where it takes us. Man, it... <clears throat> It's just weird that uh, you know we start really trying to get into these laws and you start dissecting yeah. the laws for beer compared to wine, compared to liquor, compared to everything else. And uh, I don't know. I hope it works out for you guys. Yeah, it, we do it's, too. It's, uh, we I do mean, too. what you're what you're wanting to do is absolutely legal to do. So I mean, it should work out. But oh yeah, you you don't want to cross uh, sabers with any of those entities, the government entities, for all the obvious reasons. But right now, I think that. Uh, it's going to be a good thing for us. And we've been self-distributing now, um, well, heck, for the past six months. And, and we've grown it six to ten different tap rooms. Yeah. And we, we get contacted out of the blue from folks a lot of times saying, hey, we heard about you. Or we were at this uh, particular tap room and somebody mentioned your name and your beer and things of that nature. And we'd like to see what you have. And, of course, everybody's looking for the next new thing. And we're definitely the next new thing, no doubt about it. Um, and we have some pretty unique things that Chris comes up with. Uh, wait, wait, you didn't you, the next new small batch thing. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And you guys are definitely the next exactly. new small batch thing. Extremely small batch, that's for sure. Yeah. And well, that that's uh, well, man. If you guys start putting beer in a tap room, then it's going to be hard to keep up with a three barrel system to to distribute beers. Oh, absolutely. And at that point in time, then that's going to start generating the the kind of uh, revenue stream that we need to expand. You know, we need that. We need that volume. And so many times you see where, where breweries, small microbreweries and whatnot, go out and borrow a ton of money. And then inside of six months, guess what? They're not in business no more or else they're having to go out and borrow again because the zeros coming in aren't matching the zeros going out as far as bills. And uh, I think, what was it, 10 years ago, you had maybe 400 craft breweries in the state of Texas. And now, as of last year, you have what forty five hundred or some. Yeah, I'm it's just a bunch. picking numbers yeah, out of the air grown. <clears throat> But I, I think there's going to be a situation where you start seeing some consolidation, or uh, some of those folks that just went too far too fast that aren't going to be there next year. We're we're definitely of the idea to crawl before you walk, walk before you run, and we're still crawling a little bit, but we're going to get up and walk here pretty quick, <laughs> and uh, then we'll take it from there. It's on. It has uh, ramped up here in the last last maybe two months. I mean, the uh, distribution's grown. I don't know, maybe by three or four accounts, which for us is pretty damn good. I'm sure a lot of people are looking to go on three or four accounts in a month. What the hell, man? But uh, I'm pretty happy with it at this point. You know, the other thing is too is when you start talking about a brewery, it 
everybody thinks, well, why are you just going to brew some beer and put it in a can and go? Well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And when you have just basically two guys, and uh, it's mostly one guy that's doing it, but every now and then we'll have to get my younger son, Taylor, to go, hey, Taylor, you need to take a keg of beer over here, there, where have you. Um, you know, so we're doing everything. And uh, it's, it's amazing how involved it can get at times to get it all done. Oh, and by the way, we also have regular day jobs as well. <laughs> so, so I'm working my day job, getting up at 5, doing my thing until maybe 2. Get kind of off kind of early. I mean, how many batches of beer are you brewing every time you, stop, uh, you drive out to Chapel Hill? Well, I'm there about, I'm going to say, three or four days out of a, a seven-day week. And so I'm brewing about once a, once a week now. I mean, it was less than that earlier. Um, you got one day of keg cleaning because, you know, I'm cleaning on my hand. They got one day of basically cellar work. You got one day of brewing work. And then the rest of it's filled with sales work where I'm just driving around with samples and, and trying to make accounts. Um, each account probably represents a day or two of work for as, as far as getting samples out there, meeting people, driving around, you know, all that kind of stuff. I spend about as much time on the road between, you know, deliveries and work and everything else going between Kingwood and Chapel Hill as I do sleeping. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's Sometimes, you know, they all combine each other, you know, yeah, yeah. sleep on the way. Yeah, well, I do a lot of emailing that way. Well, the other thing is, too, is that we've tried to automate as much as possible, and Chris is really good at doing that to where, like, our old water system, for example, he can fire that thing off remotely from his phone wherever yeah. he is. Um, you know, and, and I'm changing glycol temps remotely. I could... If I had someone to dump water and grain in the system, I could brew remotely. Yeah. More or less. And, and we're, we're going to try to achieve those goals as much as possible. That's the other part of our mentality and whatnot is automation um, so that it it's basically kind of frees up those hours for us to do other things. And, uh, of course, automation doesn't come cheap. <laughs> and, and you can find out that you maybe bought the wrong thing if you don't buy the right thing, you know, so – all right, well, now we're all out of beer. So that was a good segment, guys. <laughs> a very thirsty one. All right, let's take another quick break. When we get back, we'll talk more with Cold Fox Brewing. This is Drink of Ages. Be right back. Hello, Houston. This is Jared Montgomery, brewmaster at Megaton Brewery. If you have not heard of us, we're a new brewery in Kingwood. Come check out our air-conditioned tap room. Enjoy our free play arcade games, air hockey, pool table, outdoor patio games, and of course, food trucks all weekend. Try our tasty brews or grab a pint of our favorite beers made by our friends across the great state of Texas. Megaton serves wine as well. Our tap room is open Friday and Saturday and beginning September 8th, we are open noon to 6 for football season. Find us on Facebook for hours, events, and special beer releases. Thanks so much. Drink of Ages Radio. Uh, here over at Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive. You're rolling around tonight trying to find a place to come have a good pint. Stop by. Hang out. Drink some good pints. Drink some Cole Fox. Uh, if it's still if it's still gonna be around, I don't know, man. It's I was looking around the the pub earlier. It's like, yep, I spot that one. I spot that one. A lot of the dark lager people are drinking. 
Um, surprisingly popular, but I'm happy about it. That the beer's really good. It has a nice little sweetness, but it's still light, easy drinking. Yeah. Uh, really good lager with just a little bit of sweetness to it. When it was young, it was a little roasty for what I was aiming for. But I think it was just young, and it seems to have fallen off. And uh, overall, I'm extremely happy with the way it came out, and I'll probably not change a thing. So, yeah. yeah, coming deciding to to make lagers. I mean, that, that's a that's a pretty good jump, anyways, because I, I think kind of a little bit talked about at the beginning. Just you can't hide anything in a lager. So if there if there's something off, it's gonna it's gonna punch you right in the face. And yeah. so, but it's your brewing experience. And what you're bringing to the table here, I mean, you made some pretty, I mean, this is, and right now I'm drinking the Hurricane, Hurricane Rations, which is just your regular lager. Yeah, it's just like, I can't decide what to call it kind of lager. It started out as a Dortmunder, and that's another thing that TABC won't allow me to call it a Dortmunder a Dortmunder because it wasn't brewed in Dortmund. But anyway, um... That place doesn't even seem like it should exist. It seems like it should be in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you from, Dortmunder? <laughs> yeah. Dortmunder, it was a little too hoppy. So we pulled back on the hops, tried to make a light lager. And since then, I've actually increased the hops to come to like a medium hop level. It was a little too sweet when it was in the 15 IBU range. Kind of settled somewhere in the 25 range. I mean, I'm pretty happy with it there. Um I actually came up with a name before the beer because I wanted been through so many hurricanes in my life through through Hawaii and Houston. It seems like every other year I'm getting smacked with something. So uh, what do you do when a hurricane's coming? Is you always go to the store and you stock up on beer. So that's that is about. absolutely the truth. Yeah, stock up on beer and then you go. You look in your freezer. You go, okay, I've got all this meat to smoke. I'm ready. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how you clean out your freezer, right? You just have a hurricane. <laughs> and you're like shit. That's how you, you get to know your neighbors really well. Especially during Harvey and Ike, that was, I mean, not really much Harvey, but Ike was like neighbor central, right? And it was, I think we went like three weeks without power. That sucked. I so I need, I need like a mini hurricane to come because I need to replace some fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll I tell you, the hurricane rations is probably one of our more popular uh, brews that we do. Uh, it's very popular at festivals. And uh, out in Chapel Hill, we do two festivals annually. One in the spring, one in the fall. One in the spring is Blue Bonnet, one in the fall is Scarecrow Festival. And uh, people will home in on that lager, the hurricane ration. And then right behind that, or maybe parallel to that, is Endless Autumn, which has a, a higher alcohol by volume and is a darker beer, a different style of beer. But uh, those two seem to really go well. Um, and then, of course, Chris always shows up with three or four kegs of something different, and I'm, I'm always kind of a little bit leery going, oh, I don't know if this crowd's going to like that. And damn if they don't float the keg, you know, so it's... It surprises uh, me as well, but, you know, he's yeah, not yeah, going to yeah, know yeah. unless you try, so... He, he showed up with a blood orange something here a couple of years ago. Yeah, we called it Bloody Orange Bastard. We only made one keg of it, small batch. It was a, a blood orange puree and a, and a pale ale. And... Um, Man, they, they smashed it. I mean, they, they, it was just gone. And uh, I had no idea it was going to take off like that. Because when you talk about a crowd of between twenty and 30,000 people over a two-day, you know, over a whole weekend, you get the cross-section of America. I mean, you get a little bit of everybody. And we've seen people from as far away as Finland and Germany, Russia, uh, and then, you know, ride around in the local community in the five-county area. And uh, 
you know, they aren't special about telling you what they think. Oh, yeah. We've we haven't ever had anybody spit it out right there in front of us. <laughs> but, Throw it back at but, you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a few walked around the corner and just kind of eh. But for the most part, uh, I would say 98, 99 percent, they like what we're what we're serving them. Well, so. we actually got a pretty strongly worded email from some nice German people. Oh, they, that they, guy. They liked the beer, but they were extremely disappointed that we did not pour it into a straight-sided glass. Yeah. You know, glass. Yeah. And that was. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he, he is from the old country. There he are is some purists German. out there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah. No, and he, he always, he'll send me an email or he'll call me and said, I'm going to tell you what you need to do better for the, for the beers. Like, all right, Axel, what is it? Here we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, at least, I mean, you're not serving in a big frozen schooner like some of these places are putting beers in. Yeah, no frozen glasses. Uh, but if... But weird beer tastes in, in different countries, people. We have a lot. Of, I, at least I have a lot of Russian friends because in, in Kingwood apparently is a very large Russian community that I was unaware of until uh, I was at my friend's house. He was we were home brewing, and he had a sign out front that said "Free Beer," and because he's brewing, so he has you know six or eight beers on tap, and he's get neighbors walking by, whatever. Well, this guy shows up, and we haven't been able to get rid of him since. And so <laughs> he helps at every brewery event. He's helped me knock bricks off my wall at home. He's helped uh, yeah. helped us build pergolas. The dude is at everything. He's at Christmas. He's at Thanksgiving now. Um, but I've met all basically every Russian in Kingwood, and great people, man. Funnest parties you've ever been to. Um, but they have very peculiar beer tastes. And one is basically if it's not cloudy, it's not good. We're not talking hazy IPAs. We're talking about like real ales and, you know, Cascade, all that kind of stuff. And that, I guess that's, uh, they're nostalgic about it. So that's just about as much information I could get from them. And they, they do not do bitterness whatsoever. So, uh, just, you know, it's, it's interesting. Having said that, we, we had some beer that was, um, I liked it. I thought it was just fine. But Chris said, oh, it's, it's a little bit, uh, we need to do something here. So we did a beer, music, and wine festival in Chapel Hill, and we did a, what do you call it, Kvik? Kvik? Quake. 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 Yeah. Something yeah. like that. It's a K and a V and an I and, and an e. e and a K. So yeah. Think, think V-E-I. Think V, right? So V-E-I is V. Put a K and a V and V-K at the end. So it's Kvake. Kvake. Yeah. So it, yeah. I have to really break it down in my head to be able to say it right. Because otherwise I'll just say quake or quake or quake. But I, I will tell you that it turned out fantastic. It was some of the freshest beer yeah. that we've had in a long time. Well, we actually, uh, it was a, quake is a species of yeast. And, and there's all over Norway. And, and you, know, you use stuff from Oslo, from Hornadal. And they're basically named after the cities they're in or regions. Yeah. So yeah. we did a couple IPAs and some pale ales with them. And I felt like, well, maybe we need to add a little more hop or a little more fruit character to them. So we're actually doing this festival, and we have this refrigerated trailer. And in that trailer is just a mess of beer lines. And what I've done is, you know, basically it's a randle. So you've done an inline randle, stuffed it with mosaic and, and lime zest and, and orange zest. You're to run the beer stuff. through that. As we're serving yeah. at the festival, yeah. So that, that turned out really well, and I'd definitely do it again. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's, that, again, getting back to being a microbrewery, we can do those kind of things because we don't have all this entity above us dictating what, you know, how you need to operate or anything like that. And, and we're kind of fluid. We can, uh, hey, let's try this. Let's see what happens. And for the most part, we haven't, uh, we haven't had to dump a whole bunch of beer because most of it goes. 
and it goes really well. But somewhere along the line, you know, every now and then you, you know, and Chris has a palate that's he's a master. And if, if he says it's not right, well, it's not right. And uh, he'll either make it right or he'll dump it and start over again. Of course, we try to avoid that wherever possible. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, it happens when, especially in, in that size. Well, I mean, it happens on big batches too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you come up with this idea, you like this is going to taste great. And you brew it the way you're supposed to brew it. And at the end, you taste it, and you're like, nope, didn't quite work out. Yeah. Key lime pie Berliner. <laughs> I'm not doing that one again. No. I tried, if I did, I'd probably get some kind of extract or something that actually tasted like that. But if you go get key limes from the store and try and do it, you know, Try to do it, yeah, yeah. It just, it just seemed overly acidic. And I'm really not a fan of the... Um, Citric acid-based fruits in the Berliner. It just mm. turns into basically lemon or lime you, juice. You know what? As speaking about that, on the way over here, I was thinking about. I, I would like. Didn't you make a red lager, once before? Um, I made a red lager, but I think you might be referencing the red IPA that we did over at Home Sweet Farms for one of their events. Well, what I'm thinking about is I want to make a red lager, and I want to call it Red Chap. Red Chap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because, you know, you think about all these crazy names. I mean, if, if you make a beer and things of that nature, a lot of times you have to get label approval and put a name on it, right? Right. Yeah. Well, golly, you start looking around at the names. Most of them are taken. Yeah, it's pretty hard to come you up know, with like the name of a beer now. Busted Clock, Crippled Monkey, yeah, no matter what, One-Legged you, Duck. You just start, <laughs> you know, somebody I mean, needs to just do a wood series and call it 2x4, 2x6, 2x12. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just because it's available. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why why didn't you tell me that off air? (laughs) So edit that one out, Muskratch. You know, I remember back before we moved to Chapel Hill, the church we went to was called Christ the Redeemer, and there was a a choir group that would get together and brew beer. And uh, I thought it was just a bunch of guys that were, you know, say they're going to choir practice. We'd go over to Tim's house and brew beer and stuff. (laughs) And then one Saturday morning, I see Father Sean come walking up. The priest from the damn church. Uh, and it's like, uh-oh, we're busted now. But he was in on the gig. Yeah. It was his idea in the first place because <laughs> he was from Ireland, you know, kind of thing. So we made we made uh, what was called Redeemer Red, and it was outstanding. And it went pretty fast. So I was yeah. thinking it would be neat to be yeah. able to do that again, and we just call it, you know, Red Chat. Maybe it's going to be a seasonal. Maybe it would be a one that takes off. I don't know. Well, so what, a, what, a, what bars around Houston? I know Drink of Ages, of course. We've got... Yeah. Bars on Thistle wow. Draft Shop. Uh, he had a couple in there. Home Sweet Farm, excellent place, man. Yeah, oh, you like it there? yeah I love that place. Yeah, yeah Home that's, Sweet Farm out in Brenham. That's basically our our tap room at this point. Yeah. If anything new, I just call up Cameron. Hey, Cameron, I got this. Oh yeah, bring it over. It, yeah. It's worth a drive out there just to go yeah. hang out at Home Sweet Farm. Yeah, it's not a long drive, but Chris, what is what are some of the other tap rooms where we're at? Uh, if you'd like sours, um, there's Craft Beer Cellar on Barker Cypress, and the only thing they'll buy from me is Berliners, so that's what you'll find there. Um, if you, well, I'm just saying, down there by a, a little bit further down, Telgeed, you've got uh, Creekwood Grill, which we need to go reach out to again because they're probably out. Yep, uh, good spot. Brew 30. Is Brew 30 is a great spot. Down the street from mm-hmm. them. Need to bring them some samples soon. Um, in the Kingwood Humble area, not a Tasca City yet, but. We've actually got the Cove, which is a brand new bar on Hamblin, which is right there and by Trailwood Village and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they have something there pretty much all the time because that guy texts me once a week, twice a week, getting trying to get beers. And it's all Excellent. my way home, so it's easy. Uh, Hop Stop, if I have anything super special, they'll definitely take it. And I think next Sunday they're going to tap a Cranberry Berliner. 
um, for their Christmas Cajun party. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Christmas Cajun party at the Hop Stop. Yeah. Should be a good time. Yeah, I'm thinking about making some uh, some musubi and bringing them there just to gro- see how many people I can get grossed out with some spam uh, sushi. <laughs> That's always fun. Spam sushi. Wow. Oh, man, it's great. Yeah, I'm thinking about spam now. <laughs> Just ready for a little, another spam well, sandwich. Spam, yeah. And I remember we we did used to eat at sushi when we were kids. But as I've gotten older, I, I want to put some heat on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it needs some sear around the edges. No, yeah, you, yeah. you definitely got to fry it up before you wrap it up. Now. Yeah. But um, yeah, I make mus- musubi is probably my favorite snack. It's very nostalgic for me from being Hawaii. That's basically oh, yeah, yeah. The, the state snack of you know Hawaii. Mm, so yeah, yeah, no doubt. So no doubt. I can eat a whole can of that stuff. Yeah. Well, we're going to get you something then. All right. We're going to make a spam beer, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's the holiday season. We'll do, oh, I don't know if we're going to make spam beer. It'd be kind of thick, but. Nah, chunky. Yeah. I think maybe, I'll maybe, maybe there's a beer and spam pairing in the future. You know what? Oh, I, I went to a, a beer pairing at a place called 96 West in Brenham, and I was pleasantly surprised how well it went. And that was uh, St. Arnold's. Was it? That put that one on. And they actually had three ice creams that had beer in a, in like a, oh, hell, not a shot glass, but in a, in a bigger glass, you know, like a tumbler mm-hmm. with a dollop of uh, Bluebell ice cream on it. And out of the three, one of them I thought was absolutely outstanding. One of them tastes like dish soap. And the other was okay. But one was just really, really good as far as a pairing. If, so you if, you get it, if you hit it just right, man. So we make a beer called Double Lummox, and then we also do Coffee Double Lummox, and we're getting mm-hmm. ready to do Coffee Garrison Brothers Barrel Age Double Lummox. And it's a Russian Imperial Stout with the, just a smidge of lactose, which so it's meant to mimic a Vietnamese coffee. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had that from one of your fast shops? Um, came out great. We used a roaster that's actually right around the corner from my house in Porter called Vertier uh, Coffee Roasters. And I've been talking to that guy since he opened because I just driving by and I was like, hey, I'm going to go. There's a coffee roaster in Porter. That's very out of place if you know Porter. Um, so we went up there and checked him out. But uh, best coffees you ever had. But I was just talking to him. You know, I, I want to do a Vietnamese coffee stout. Help me out with the coffee. Yeah. I don't know anything about Vietnamese coffee. Do they have a special coffee? Do they roast it a certain way? How do they do it? And he comes back after doing some research and going around Houston to do some tastings. And he says, uh, yeah, they basically take crappy coffee that they can get and just roast the hell out of it so you really can't taste anything and and then basically dump it over sweetened condensed milk mm. and makes it palatable <laughs> well, i was like well i can make an overly bitter stout with your overly bitter coffee and then hit it with a little bit of lactose just to smooth it out and i think it came out fantastic yeah you know, I, I probably didn't describe it very well but it's not bitter it's not too sweet it's not too milky it's it's just it's right where it should be it's very good so, uh, Cole Fox Brewing, uh, out there in Chapel Hill, unfortunately not a spot just yet to go out there and drive and get some beers, but it uh, looks like it's going to be on the horizon. Come Good over here. Is. Yes, you can find it around, like, uh, you name you name some great places. I mean, some of my yeah. favorite places to go drink beer at. Well, come to your place. Drink of yeah, ages. Drink of right ages. Yeah. Stop hey, by drink of ages. Have come, have, come on. Come try them out. Now, thank you guys for coming and hanging out, man, making the trip over here. It's always good to see you, Chris, yep, nice uh, for sure. Again. Nice to meet while. the rest of you guys. Sure thing. Uh, John and Nick, and, man, everybody, just look for a Colfax 
Look, look, look for their beers around tap. Yeah, around ask, town. Ask more for our beers. That would help tremendously. It's like doing the like thing on Facebook. Ask the bartender for our beers. And, uh, and they say, well, who are they? Go check us out on Facebook. You'll find us. Yeah. There's Definitely. also a website has a, a bar finder now on it as well. So right. if you ever right. look for a location, it's it's going to be on the website or Facebook. And I usually post whenever I deliver a keg. Excellent. So. All right. Well, appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys coming and hanging out this week. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. And if you want to listen to any of the old shows sponsored by No Label Brewing Company, you can go find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, drinkofages.com. I found it in some weird, like, owl.tv something. Uh, I, also, I, was, I was searching images, and I was like, that's my logo. And it was, it was like, I didn't know what that is. But it's there, too. So Perfect. all over the dark webs. Uh, but everybody be safe out there, and go Texans, go Rockets, and we'll talk to everybody next week.